series is helping you. If you haven't been here for this series, thanks, Henry. If you haven't been here for this series, uh, I want to uh, kind of catch you up really quickly. I, I don't have time to tell you uh, all of it or what I have preached to you the last four weeks, but uh, we, we're trying to reframe in our lives the idea that problems and trials are, are meant to harm you. You know, you, you get, man, you get in the middle of something, you start thinking, man, this thing's going to kill me. Anybody ever thought that? You get, you face a problem, you think, okay, this is it. This is how I'm going to go out. You know, there's like, this is how our marriage is going to end, or this is how we're going to lose the house, or this is how it's, you know, this is how I'm going to kill a kid. I'm, I've had those days, you know, this week. You know, this, this is it. This is how I'm, this is, this is what's going to happen. This is, this is where I'm going to lose my mind. Anybody else? This is where, this is where I've gone abs. <laughs> the other day we're in the car, I should tell you. Today, by the way, I have been married to that sweet girl 19 years today. We've been together as long as we were apart. We got married way too young. And we jumped right into full-time ministry 19 years together for the glory of Jesus. And to stay married to me and a preacher 19 years is a big deal, everybody. Y'all ought to high-five her on the way out. So, uh, but, but I forget what I was talking about with that. Anyway, oh, we were in the car. <laughs> we, were in the, we were in the car and Brandy, she just starts... She just starts randomly singing. I said, what, what are you doing? She said, I've lost it. This is it. I'm, this is how I'm going to go. Like, I just, I'm just, she's staring out the window just singing a random kid's song. There's no kids in the car. And I'm like, what, 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 are, we, what are we doing? And you just, man, you feel, like, you feel like this is it. This is how it's all going. And this message series is to help you reframe that the problems that come into your life aren't problems. They're opportunities that God is testing you. He's testing me. He's testing us to prove our potential. We call those areas proving grounds. To prove our potential for the next thing God has for us. That our tests are proving grounds. That, that, that they're not meant to destroy us or harm us. James actually says they're meant to make us mature. To complete us so that we end up lacking nothing in our lives. How many of you would like to be that kind of spiritual person? Let me see your hands. Yeah, I want to be whole. I want to be mature. I want to be lacking nothing in my life. And in, in order for that to happen, there are going to be problems coming into your life. Trials that come into your life. T- t- tough times. Tough seasons. Maybe tough years. May- maybe tough decades. And I want you to reframe that as a test in your life. That your spiritual life is a series of opportunities known as proving grounds. And that your problems are meant to reveal the potential that you have in your life for promotion. Say amen to that, everybody. That's the premise. I don't have time to tell you. I think there are, I think there are nine tests that every believer goes through. It could be more. It could be uh, that you, you know some more. Or you're living through some more. But let me give you these nine that I think uh, every believer will go through over and over and over again, by the way. You're probably in the middle of one or two of them, maybe coming out of one or two of them, on your way into one or two uh, other tests in your life. It's something that you don't graduate from. Every single year you go from grade to grade, you still take a test in math and English. And it's not that you ever get past it. It's just you learn more. The depth is deeper. The dimensions are higher. And, and so it is with spiritual tests in your life. So let me, let me jump right in because i got to preach hard to you today. And, and I just I really feel these two tests uh, today. And so if you haven't called up, just catch up on the podcast. The, the test I want to tell you today is called the authority test. Would you write this down in your note? The authority test. The authority test, the fifth test that I've preached to you so far. The authority test comes into our lives 
to prove, it's a proving ground, to prove your honor, underline that in your notes, your respect, and your love for the authority that God has put in your life. I want you to write it just like that because every word of that's important. The authority, this is hard to preach, by the way. This is probably the hardest one I'll preach to you because, honestly, it goes against not only your nature, but it really goes against culture for us to talk about submission to authority. We kind of live in a culture today that tells you, just do you, just whatever, just just follow your truth. Anybody? You know what I mean? This is my truth. My truth is, you know, and you just identify as whatever. You know, I identify as a six-foot-two uh, black bishop. I mean, that's just that's who I am. I, I, that's how I identify. That's who I want to be in my life. And and I nobody's going to tell me I'm not six foot two and and a bishop. No, I mean, I'm just I am who I am. Like Popeye I is who I is. You know. And 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 nobody's going to tell me nothing else. And so we sort of live in this culture that tells you you don't have to submit to nobody. You don't have to give to nobody. And God has a test in your life that says just the opposite, that we are to submit to honor, to respect, and to love the authority that God has put in our lives. I said that on purpose because authority comes from God. Now, I know you're thinking, not my boss. He comes from the other place. You know what I'm saying? Like, the one that's hotter than, than where God is. That's where my boss is from. There's no way he comes from God. Yeah? Yeah, he is. Every authority, listen to me, every authority in our lives is from God. It comes from God, and it's not about them. It's about you. It's not about them It's your response to it. Let me show it to you in God's Word. Romans 13 says it like this. Let everyone, everybody say, that's me. Come on, let everybody be subject to the governing authorities. For there is, here it is, there is no authority in your life, including the one you're thinking of right now, except that which God has established for you. Every matter of fact, the Bible would say it like this the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, and he turns it whichever way he wants it to go. That's in your Bible. That every authority in your life comes from God. The authorities that exist have been established by God. They've been established by God. Now, here's why this is hard reading because Paul is writing this letter. Most people believe Paul wrote this letter in Corinth. And Corinth is, is, is under occupation, but he's writing it to the seat of this evil regime, the Roman Empire, who is occupying all of the known world and the Gentiles who have converted and the Jews who have believed Jesus as the Messiah have founded churches all over Rome and Paul is writing to them under the oppression of this evil Terrible, hard to follow, hard to love, difficult to honor oppression of the Roman Empire. They are not subject to godly authority. They're not, they're not just serving in a, in a utopian society that you think, man, we get to worship freely. We get to do anything we want to do. We agree with everything. They knew what it was like, listen, to have to live under the wrong authority. 
bad leadership, hurtful leadership, insensitive leadership, abusive leadership, manipulative authority. That's who the Roman Christians were living under. And Paul writes to them, I know exactly where you're living and you still are to submit to the authority God put in your life. Why? would You're telling me God gave us the Romans? No, no, no. I'm telling you God established them for you. God didn't establish them for them. He established them for you. I want to see how you respond to authority. I know this is, I'm going to keep preaching. I'll get harder until you get to amen. It'll be easier on you if you'll say amen. I'm being honest with you. The greatest test of authority in your life is when you disagree with the authority in your life. It is not when your attitude is not tested when you're under authority that does everything you want them to do, how you want them to do it, when you want them to do it, the exact way you wish they said it, that's, that doesn't test your attitude. The attitude of a believer is tested in an environment when you know your authority is wrong, bad, mishandling, insensitive, lying, manipulative, sharp, didn't say hello to you, inconsiderate, didn't high-five you, never, never talk to you, you disagree with their style. The authority test says, can you honor and love and respect when you don't understand? That's good preaching, if I must say so myself. Can I submit to authority in my job when I know that I could do a better job than him? I don't know how that dummy got a promotion. But I know I'm smarter than he is. Anybody else feel that way but me? Any, anybody else feel? I, 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 I know I could do a better. The only reason she got promoted is she's the owner's daughter. The only reason they're there. The only reason he got that. I, I don't, in your job, in your career, in your family, in your church, in your school, in our community, in our government, can we honor people we disagree with? That's the authority test. Now, I'm gonna, I, 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 I got I to take a stand. So here we go. You ready for all this? It doesn't matter who is in the White House. Our job as believers is to submit to the governing authorities and to pray for those authorities. That's God's will for believers. It is not to agree with everything they do. It is to honor the office that they hold. Some of us struggle with the authority test. Because you can't honor the person, so you don't honor the office. You, you know your boss is wrong, so I can't honor them. They're, they're dumb, Pastor. If you knew how dumb they were, you couldn't respect them either. It would be difficult for you. you. You don't know what they do. You don't know how bad of a leader they are. You don't know how terrible it is. No, no, no. It's not about them. It's about you. It's about me. It's about our honor in authority. Can I honor the office of authority? I'm on a mission to bring honor into this church. Matter of fact, I'm going to preach it to you later on this year. I want this to be a church of high honor. I think we're in a culture that has lost honor. Let me give you honor, everybody. When a woman walks in, you just stand up. Men, I'm just going to be honest. Take your hat off. That's okay for everybody. It's all right for you to open the door. Why? This is 21st century. You don't have to open the door for me. Well, let her cuss you out on the way in, but you open the door. 
We're in an honor society. We teach our little children to honor. The other day, uh, Hazel's in the car, and we have some family in a different church. And in that church, they refer to each other. Some of you grew up in a church like this as brother and sister. You know, Brother Morgan. And so, and so Hazel very innocently asked Brandy, why do they say, you know, Brother Mitch or Sister Brandy? And Brandy, Brandy said, you know, that in their church culture, that's, that's just what they do. That's just how, that's how they show honor there. And in our church culture, it's Mr. and Mrs. I'm just going to be frank with you. You don't have to agree with what I'm telling you. But my children never refer to spiritual authority by their first name. Ever. We were at a wedding two nights ago, and my four-year-old, is learning to talk to his pastor and call him pastor. He doesn't call him Rex. He calls him Pastor Rex. You know why? Because at four years old, I want him to know God has established authority in our lives. And our ability to submit to authority will determine the promotion God has for us. That's honor. That's I honor the position that my boss has. I honor the position that my father has. I honor the position that my grandfather has in our family. I honor the position that you have. I honor the, I honor the office that you hold. If you, if you got a boss with the corner office, it's about honor. It's about respect. It's about love. Can I do that when I disagree with them? When they're wrong? When they're inconsistent? I'm not excusing bad behavior. I'm not excusing wrong authority, uh, wrong actions by authority. Listen to me. But that stuff is always going to exist. And the test is not about how bad they are. God to handle them. The test is how do you respond? How do I respond? Because God is watching. He's watching you. The test is for you. The test is for you. Like in the Old Testament, David, who had been anointed king by Samuel. Samuel is the prophet in the nation of Israel at the time. And he anoints David as king. You know the story. I'll speed up a little bit. David goes and fights Goliath, kills Goliath, gets the king's daughter as a prize for killing Goliath. That's not a bad gig, by the way, for some of you single guys. And so he marries the king's daughter. Saul is his father-in-law, and he's the king. And Samuel is now heir to the throne because of his relationship with Michael, the daughter of Saul, and because Samuel's anointed him the next king of Israel. And Saul, the current king of Israel, gets jealous. Saul is angry at David. Every time David would walk into a room and Saul was there, everybody would, would, would flock to David. You know somebody like this? He was just magnetic. The Bible said they would sing songs about Saul, that Saul had killed his thousands. But when they got to talking about David, they would say, but David has killed his tens of thousands. I mean, there was just, people loved him. People, people just couldn't wait till he got promoted. And Saul was getting so Angry and so much so, he resented him so much so, it got so bad that Saul, the current king, chases David out to the desert on a manhunt to kill him. As a matter of fact, there's one story in the Old Testament where Saul, he throws spears to try to kill him. Now, I know you think your boss is bad, but if the joker ain't trying to stab you to death, he ain't that bad as Saul. You understand what I'm telling you? Saul is trying to kill him. I want him gone. I don't like him. I, 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 don't, I don't want him to be the next king. I don't like how the people uh, honor him. I don't, I don't like how they sing songs about him. I don't even like him marrying my daughter. Now, I kind of understand that as a daughter, uh, daddy. Anyway, I, I don't like nothing about him. And David is anointed the next king. Now, follow this whole story. I know I'm going to take your job 
if I can just outlive you. So how do I outlive bad leadership? So the story goes that Saul is in a field there in this war. David and Saul chasing him around the desert. It's for his life. And they're at night time. Saul and his mighty men, Abner, his bodyguard, they lay down, the Bible said, they lay in the middle of the camp. The camp is all around them. I want you to get the picture. And Saul and Abner, his bodyguard, are laying in the middle of all of this. Now, Abner is country. Come on, somebody. The members of our security team, our venue team that, that, that help us with security and me, I, I picked the meanest, ugliest country ghetto fella I can find. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's who's on the team. You know that. If y'all don't know, just look around and find one. He's probably on the team. Because I want somebody ghetto. Because if you come in here crazy, I want, I want somebody a slightly crazier than you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I need somebody a little bit, you know what I'm saying? I need somebody with a twitch in their eye. You know what I mean? Like, and that's Abner. Abner's got a twitch in his eye. I'm talking about. He's cra- and Saul is just as crazy. And the Bible says, listen to this. That God put Saul and Abner in a deep sleep. Now why would God put Saul in a deep sleep? Furthermore, when he goes to sleep in the middle of the camp, he's laying on the ground there. The Bible said his spear, the spear that he'd been throwing at David to try to kill him, is in the ground beside his head. And he's in a deep sleep. And David and his bodyguard, Abishai, they come up on this scene and it's crazy what happens. This terrible leader, this awful person who's been chasing me around the desert, trying to kill me, manipulative, lied about me, talking about me, resents me, trying to punish me. It's awful. It's awful leadership. And David now has a chance because Saul's in a deep sleep. And if I'm David, I could go to God and I could say, God, why don't you deal with Saul? God, why don't you handle him? God, why don't you punish him? Y'all probably more spiritual than I am. But I, sometimes, I've, you ever prayed, God, come on, they're going to go to heaven. Just take them now. You know what I mean? Just God, just go ahead and take them. Don't let them suffer. You know what I mean? I know they're, God, just take them. Anybody else ever prayed like that about an ex? Come on, just, God, just want them to go to heaven, but I want them to go now. You know what I mean? I want them to go real quick. God, just remove this leadership. God, just take my boss out. God, take this authority. I can't believe I'm having to live under this authority. I can't believe I'm having to live under this. But God tells David, you don't worry about Saul. I'll take care of Saul. I'm watching you. Most of us want God's eyes on our authority that we disagree with, and God's eyes are on you. I'll deal with bad authority. I'm watching how you respond. And David responds. He grows in character, not criticism, when dealing with failed authority. Would you write that in your notes? David grows and responds. In, what comes out of you around the water cooler talking about your boss you disagree with? What comes out of you talking about spiritual authority in your life that you don't understand every decision they make? Does character come out of you or criticism come out of you? And David responds and grows in character, not criticism, in dealing with failed authority. And so here he is at night with his bodyguard, Saul's asleep, the spear's by his head. And Abishai says to David, 
in 1 Samuel. Today, God has delivered your enemy into your hands. I always love this because when people decide to take revenge on others, they get super spiritual. You know what I mean? <laughs> like God gave them the fleas of a thousand camels. You know what I mean? Like they're just so... God, I believe, Abishai is his country. He ain't never talked about God till he gets up there and sees a spear laying by Saul's head. And then suddenly Abishai gets super spiritual. You know what I mean? David, God gave us this. God sent them there. I, I, I've seen Christians, not y'all, but in first service, who, who relish when people fall and fail. I'm so glad it finally came out. God just, God revealed it to everybody what they've been doing. You know, they get super spiritual about how God has, has, has made this happen. And Abishai gets super spiritual and he says, David, but look what God's done for us. He's given us Saul. Today, God's delivered him to your hands. Now, let this is how I know he's country ghetto, like my security team. Because he said, let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of the spear. And it won't take me two times. You know you country ghetto when you say, I just need one. Just give me one, David. I just need one. I just need one time with this brother, okay? I got a spear. Your boy's trained. I got my CDL, CCLCC. Concealed carry, I don't know which one it's called. Probably CDLs too, if you conceal carry. <laughs> you know, I can drive a tractor trailer and I can kill somebody. <laughs> I won't, it won't take me two times. I will, <laughs> I love this. I, if you don't find the Bible funny, I, I feel sorry for you. I love that. He said, I will pin him to the ground. <laughs> I mean, he's ready. God gave us this failed authority. We get to expose it to everybody. I get to send a memo to the whole office and tell them about how he's cheating on his wife. I get to tell everybody. I get to tell everybody what I saw. I get to tell everybody about that teacher that messed up. I get to spread all the God. I get to do it. I will pin him to the ground. God's given me the opportunity. And David says to Abishai, Don't kill him. Don't destroy him. And this is why. This is how David becomes a man after God's own heart. This is how David sits on the throne of God forever and ever. God established him forever and ever. There will never be a time in millennial that the throne of David will not be established in Jerusalem, the capital of God's heart. Because he passed the authority test. Who can lay a hand? Not on Saul. Not on this jerk I work for. Not on this idiot in authority. But God's anointed and be guiltless. Who can lay a hand on God's anointed as surely as the Lord lives? Then David gives you a glimpse into his motivation. As surely as the Lord lives, the Lord himself will strike him or his time will come or he will die or he will go into battle and die. I don't know how God's going to handle him, but God's going to handle him. But the Lord forbid that everybody say, I. This is about me, not about him. This is about my response to failed authority. The Lord forbid that I should lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. Now get the spear and the water jug that are near his head and let's go. Now that's strong. I could have killed him. I could have pinned him to the ground. I could have taken the throne that was due to me. I knew God had already anointed me. By the way, God had already anointed him. I knew, I knew I could have done it. I, I could have rebelled against that authority. But this test is not about Saul, Abishai. This test is about me. The Lord forbid that I. 
But I. But I. The Lord forbid that I talk about authority in my life. We don't talk about spiritual authority in front of our children except positive. We don't talk about government authority except positive. We don't talk about authority in their kids. In, in, in kids ministry, we talk about them with in school, in their, their teachers, their preschool, their, their my little girls in second grade. Every authority in their life, we talk positive about because I want them to be raised. Uh, this is not about, are you the best teacher I've ever had in my little girl's life? This is about, I got to teach her authority. We are under authority. And that's how God gives us authority. It's the authority test. And you will not find promotion until you learn submission. Say amen to that, everybody. Is that okay preaching to everybody? I know it's hard, but I'm telling you. Matter of fact, I think, it's, I think that test is more prevalent t- today than it has ever been. Because we live in this world that says your opinion matters. And everybody wants to hear it. Even if they don't want to hear it, you're going to tell them on Facebook what your opinion is. You, you've got the right to talk up. Just tell everybody how wrong everybody is. i got something I'd like to say. You know, it's, it's Festivus and now for the Aryans of grievances. You know what I mean? Like, anybody, the Aryans of grievances? Now, now's the time for me to tell everybody what's wrong with everybody. And you don't pass the test. And some of you have lived 25, 30, 40 years frustrated at the progress of your life while watching others prosper because you cannot submit to authority. I'll move on. The last test I want to give you today, the sixth test, is the warfare test. Write this in your notes. The warfare test occurs, now catch this language, when you're in the will of God and you still face adversity. The warfare test is not the test to get in the will of God. That's the lordship test, by the way, that God's ways are always right. The warfare test is not, well, I don't know what God wants me to do, and, and, and so I'm fighting over here till I figure it out. No, no, no. It's, I know I'm in God's will, and I'm still experiencing adversity in the will of God. I'm still having problems in the will of God. It's amazing to me. I think the biggest mistake that believers make, especially new believers, is you believe once you get saved, I don't have to fight anymore. I got saved today at church. I'm going to come home and the idiot I married is now Prince Charming and he cooks and he picked his drawers up. What happened? I, I'm going to come home and my kids are going to obey me and it's going to be awesome and I'm never going to have to fight. And God said, God said, I can have it. And, and not, not y'all, but other Christians I know, they're amazing to me because they come to me and they go, Pastor, it's going to be awesome. God's going to give it to me. God's promised me a new job and God's going to give it to me. And I say, well, how many resumes has you sent out this week? Well, none. But God's going to give me a new job. I just know He will. I just know it's If God wants me to have If God wants me to have it, He'll just send it to me. I'm 43 years old. I'm still single. But if God wants me to get married to a godly man, He'll just send it to me one day. Well, honey, how many times have you come to the dream team? Because that's where a lot of cool single guys are. Well, none. I don't don't really, I don't want to do it. That's not going to work. God's going to give me a promotion. He is? That's awesome. Do you show up early and stay late and give your best and go above and beyond and and have a positive attitude? Well, no. No, actually, I don't don't do any of that. But God's going to give me a promotion because God promised me a promotion. God's going to fix everything in my... Oh, He is going to fix everything in your life? Do you pray every single day? God's going to give me the spiritual life that I've always wanted. Are you fasting? Are you in God's Word? No, I don't really do any of that. Listen to me. Look into my eyes. Anything worth having is worth fighting for. You're going to have to fight. 
You're going to have to fight. Come on, you're going to have to have a vision for it. You're going to have to plan for it. You're going to have to save for it. You're going to have to ask for it. The Bible does not say God's going to drop a ranch in your life. He does say if you'll line up to God's financial plan of blessing, He'll bless everything in your life. You can't just expect God to drop stuff in your life. Oh, pastor, the check's in the mail. It is, but it's going to somebody else who's working harder than you. I like this crowd. It's not coming to you because you're not fighting for it. You don't have a vision for it. If you haven't written down what you want the next five years of your life to be, then don't get to the next five years of your life and get mad at God for not taking you on the journey that you weren't willing to get up for tomorrow, put your britches on, and go to work for. you got to fight for it. That's not about God's will. That's about your willingness to fight. The prophet Mark Twain said, it's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. I'm five foot, none of your business. And I got a ton of fight to build a spirit-filled church in the hill country of San Antonio. Come hell or high water, I'm going to get up tomorrow and fight for it. Fight for it. Fight for it. I got a vision for it. I got a plan for it. I'm praying about it. We're saving for it. I I see it in my mind. And I'm fighting for it. Y'all sit back there and laugh if you want to. But my life will go in the direction of my fight. Not in the direction of your desire. Not in the direction of your coulda, woulda, shouldas. It'll go in the direction of what you're willing to work for, save for, plan for, have vision for, and fight for. The will of God in your life will always be a fight. And the warfare test is the test of your adversity quotient. Can you fight for what you want? Proverbs, I'm going to show you a verse that's going to blow your mind. It blew my mind. I'd never seen it till I prepared for this message for you. Proverbs 24 and 10 in the New Living Translation says this. If you fail under pressure, your strength is too small. I know, that hurt, right? Look at it in the message. What's this? In Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of the same, I actually like it better. It says, if you fall to pieces in a crisis, there wasn't much to you in the first place. If you can't take a punch in the gut and tell the devil, is that all you got? We're not going to divorce over that. We're not going to give up over this. I'm not quitting on my dream over that. I can get back up after this. If you can't take a punch to the face and say, devil, I'm going to be there. I'm going to show up again tomorrow. I'm going to pray again tomorrow. I'm coming to church again next week. I got to fight inside. I'm fighting for my ministry. I'm fighting for my marriage. Come on, 19 years ain't easy, but I'm going to get up tomorrow and fight for year 20. I'm going to get up tomorrow and fight for my kids there's a fight anybody else I'm fighting for godly kids I don't care what America says about the way it's going I don't care about how bad CNN or Fox News tell me the world going to hell in a handbasket. I'm going to raise two missionaries I'm going to raise two evangelists I'm going to raise two kids that fulfill the purpose God has for them they're going to love God they're going to marry amazing spouses they're going to have great kids and I'm going to fight every day for it I'm going to fight for it. I'm going to fight. I'm in God's will and I'm going to fight for it. you got to fight for your future. And the fight for your future isn't in, it's not external, it's internal. It's not, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against powers and principalities. 
Spiritual wickedness in high places. That's why church is important. That's why groups are important. That's why serving's important. Because you've got to do spiritual stuff to get spiritual results. It's why tithing's important. It's why praying's important. It's why 21 days is important. It's because I'm going to do spirits. I'm going to fight for it. I'm going to fight that. I'm going to fight for it. What we accomplish in life is not based on what we want. Come play, Henry. It's based on how much we want it. It's not based on what you want. It's based on how much you want it. If you want it bad enough, you'll get it. I had an old bishop tell me, pastor the same church in Fort Worth for 40 years. Amazing church. It's an amazing man of God, an apostle, really. Churches all over the country and world. He said, I'm going to write a book about pastoring when we planted this church. I said, I need it. I've never been senior pastor of a church. I need to know what to do. He said, in 40 years of pastoring the same congregation, a life-giving, dynamic church. I can write a book, and it's going to have one page and one chapter and one sentence. I said, oh, God, that's all you've learned in 40 years. He said, yeah. And here it is, that people do whatever they want to do. If you want to be in church, guess what will happen? You'll just arrange your schedule and be in church. If you want to tithe, guess what will happen? You'll arrange your budget, put God first, and tithe. If you want to serve, you'll just work it out and serve. People do what they want to do. Your life moves in the direction of of how much you want. Uh, Jesus gets to the end of his earthly ministry. He's facing the purpose of his life. Listen close. He's born to die. We would all agree, every Christian in the room would agree today, Jesus came to earth with one mission Seeking to save that which is lost. He had to die for humanity. He gets to the end of his earthly ministry. He finds himself in the Garden of Gethsemane. It is the night before he is betrayed by Judas, taken to a Mickey Mouse trial all night long to be crucified on Good Friday. And he withdrew, Luke 22 and 41, he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them and he knelt down and he prayed. And you see the struggle. Father, I know i got to do it. But if you're willing, take this cup from me. Another, another gospel writer says he said it three times. To let this cup pass from me. Take this cup from me. Take this cup from me. And then he looked down into that cup and he saw you. Broken, addicted, divorced, messed up, in debt, sick. He saw me. Drowning in my own sin, my own legalism, my own religious superiority. And he said, but not my will, but yours be done. He's struggling, fighting. And the moment he decides, this is going to be hard, but I want God's will in my life. This is going to be a fight, but I'll take it. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. I'd never seen that in my Bible. Then an angel comes to strengthen him after he decides, I'll fight for the purpose of my life. I'll stay in the fight. And he began, and he being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, more earnest. I fought more. He fought more in prayer, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. If Jesus could fight for his purpose, you can fight for yours. You're going to have to. Comfort and calling don't go hand in hand. You're not going to find the calling God has for you in comfort. 
you're going to be required to participate in your destiny. Participate in what God has. Your destiny is not inevitable. It's possible. Can I tell you that again? The promise, the miracle, the strength, the business that prospers, the kids that are awesome, the marriage that's healthy and thriving, the ministry that God's called you to, the book you want to write, the degree you want to have, the destiny that God has for you, the difference you're called to make, isn't inevitable. It's possible. And it depends on your fight. Will we fight for it? The promises of God are, if you will, I will. If you will, I will. If you will, I will. I wonder what God is waiting to give you if you'll just fight for it. It's a proving ground. It's a test. Can I submit to the authority God's put in my life even when I disagree with it? Even when I don't understand it? Even when it makes bad judgment calls? Even when it doesn't play fair? Even when I could do better? Am I submitted to the authority that God has in my life? Because God's watching me. God's watching you. It's a proving ground. It's a test. Do I have enough fight when I know I'm in God's will to stay in the fight? Fight for my marriage. Fight for our family. Fight for our future. It's the warfare test. What's your adversity quotient? Can you fight? Will you fight? For what you know God has for you. Bow your heads in prayer. If one of these tests is you, I've asked you every week, would you be honest again this week and say, I'm in the middle of that test? Would you raise your hand and let God see that you know, that God knows? I'm in the the middle of an authority test. I'm in the middle of a test. There it is. Come on, hands are up all over the house telling God, God, I recognize this is a test. This is a test. This is only a test. Father, I pray for every hand that's raised right now. Somebody in a test with authority. Somebody who's trying to submit when I know they're wrong. I know I could do better. I know this person was put in my life as a test. Help me to pass it. Help me to surrender. Help me to submit when I have the ability to kill them. Pin them to the ground. Let character come out of me, not criticism. Come on, let honor come out of me. I want to be a man of honor, a woman of honor. I want to be a spouse of honor. When I could destroy my spouse because of his mistakes, I'm honoring. I'm choosing honor. When I could destroy my parents for the way I was raised, what I saw, where I experienced, I don't have to agree with them, but I honor. I honor. God, help me to pass that authority test in my life. That I submit that I'm honoring and respectful and loving. I appreciate authority so that you can give me authority and promote in my life. Father, I pray for hands that are raised, that are in the warfare test, facing the will of God in a struggle, in an adversity, in a fight today. God, I pray that you'd increase their adversity quotient. God, give them more fight inside of them to fight for the promises of God, the purpose, the plan, that you have for their lives. God, they wouldn't give up, walk away, throw in the towel. But God, they'd come out of here with renewed faith in God. They'd pass this test. Pass this test. We'll stay faithful. We'll stay committed. We'll go to counseling. We'll read all the books. We'll do whatever we can. We'll pray more. We'll fast. We'll get up early and stay up late. I'll do what I have to do to fight for this purpose God has for me. 
And if you've never surrendered your heart to God, that's actually the ultimate test of authority in your life. You can do that today. I never like to close a service without giving you a chance to say yes to Jesus. So with your head bowed and your heart open before God, if you've never prayed a a prayer of salvation, let me lead you through it. You can say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for the cross. Thank you for submitting to the will of God so that you could purchase my salvation. Thank you for living through Calvary and the cross and that terrible thing that you endured so that I could be healed and whole and saved. Thank you for dying for my sins, paying the price I should have paid. Thank you for the resurrection that gives me hope for life eternal. God, I give you my whole heart today. I repent of my sins. I give you every part of me, my mistakes, my failures, my shortcomings, my future, my purpose, my destiny, where you want me to be. I surrender to you today. Save me in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everybody shout amen. Come on. Do you receive the word of the Lord today? Come on. Give God.